Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, hey, friends, welcome to another edition of the Happy Hour. We're October 9th. Last week, my book, UBU, released, and I just want to say a big, ginormous thank you to all of you guys that have bought the book, who have begun diving into it, whether you're listening to it as an audiobook, reading on Kindle, or you've got the book in your hands, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. It means a lot to me, not because I just need more people buying my book, but because I really believe in the message. I believe so, so much that when I say UBU, that it's not just some cheap words that don't really have a lot of meaning, but I think that you have a strength of a calling that originates in the mind of God. I think that you have a voice, a platform that matters immensely today, simply because it's the voice he's given you. I think that you have talents and gifts that he's invested in you, designed for a purpose way bigger than yourself. I really believe that you can experience satisfaction and success today in just by doing what you do and doing it where you are and doing it in faithfulness to the God who has lovingly and strategically put you where you are. Guys, if you have not got a hold of this book, You Be You, I really, really, really think that God can use it to just bless your socks off. And so check it out anywhere you buy books. Today, I have a fabulous guest on the show who is herself. She is someone that I look up to and admire. It is Lori Champion, and she is co-pastor of Celebration Church, which is right here in my hometown, a little bit north uh, in Georgetown, Texas. You see, Lori grew up as a pastor's kid and has been in ministry basically her whole life. She now has the blessing of having raised her family in full-time ministry. In fact, I believe that she said, I hope I'm not wrong in here, that she's like a fifth generation pastor. Isn't that crazy? We talk a lot in the show about being a woman in church leadership and how when her and her husband were starting this church and they were trying to find the right man for the job and then realizing that God had equipped her to be the right leader for this job right here. Lori loves people so well, and she desires to see them fulfill their God-given leadership potential. Lori and her husband, Joe, are leading a very diverse church in the midst of very diverse political stances in our country, and she has some really, really wise words to that. Lori and I had an incredible conversation today about those times when we feel like we're in the desert. We're waiting for God to use us, and Lori reminds us that God will always find us, and He's never going to waste us. You're going to love this conversation. Guys, speaking of this conversation about Lori and women in leadership, have you listened to my other podcast that I host with my husband? It's called On the Other Side. Yes, it comes out every single Friday. We're in the middle of season one right now, On the Other Side. Last week, we released an episode of On the Other Side with Joel Metamali about On the Other Side of Women in Leadership. It goes so well with today's conversation. My husband, Aaron, sat down with Joel and had a fabulous conversation about this topic, and I want you to listen to it. Search On the Other Side anywhere you listen to podcasts or text O-T-O-S, that stands for On the Other Side, O-T-O-S to 55444. Here is a clip from the episode with Joel. Do you think there's a major gap that we could experience if we're not hearing from female teachers of the word, like just in our Christian faith and our love for the Lord and our understanding of his character and his attributes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, we're, what we miss is a specific type of approach to the text that God has uniquely wired women to consider, to see, to, um, to unpack, to digest. There are phenomenal academic women teachers uh, that write books, right? Or even Bible right. teachers right. that right. are throwing out these amazing Bible studies. But why is it that we can gain something from their writing, but we feel like we wouldn't get it from their physical presence or auditory teaching. Like that's a right. disconnect, right. right? All right, friends, here is my conversation with Pastor Lori Champion. 
Hey, Lori, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so excited to be here with you. This is uh, super exciting because we're both Austin people. Yep. You're the North side. Yep. And I'm the South side. <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> we have it covered. Yeah. And you drove down today and I told you that I do most of my interviews in person and I have not been able to do that, but I'm so grateful to be sitting I'm, across the room I from you. I would miss this opportunity and I've seen your little tiny house and all of that online. And so now I'm, now I'm here. It's really awesome. Here we are. Well, let me give the listeners a little background. So I'm going to speak highly of you real quick. You and your husband, Joe, started a church here in Georgetown, which is north of Austin. My husband, Aaron, is a pastor here in Mm -hmm. Austin and had told me forever, you got to meet the champions. You got to meet the champions. They're amazing. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. And I believe I met you for the first time this year. Am I right about that? Had our paths crossed before? Um... I don't, I don't think they had. I don't think they I had. I feel like I know you because I've been following you. Yes, and the same is true. <laughs> but you guys have a phenomenal ministry um, here that is just lives are changing. And so introduce yourself to my listeners. I just told them you guys have been pastors yeah. here for a while, but tell them all the things that you're doing and done and have your hand in. Well, I um, am a New Orleans born girl and my family is five generations of ministry. And I thought I was going to get out of that and become an attorney or go into politics or something like that. But the Lord had other plans for me. And so Joe and I met in 1989, got married in 1990, started ministry pretty quickly after that. And we have, um, we started our church in Austin 20 years ago. Now we have three campuses in Austin, about 12 campuses in Mozambique, Africa. We have campuses in Italy. And I just, I love Jesus. I love building the local church. And we have three boys and they're all grown now. So we're recent empty nesters. And so we're enjoying a new season of life. Okay. A couple of things about that intro. First of all, <laughs> I want to be a part of a church that plants church in Italy. I just need to say oh, that. Oh, Yes. I've been to Italy twice now, and I love it. Not only are we there, but we are right next to the world's best pizza place. Like literally the world's best Literally the world. Like people come from all over the world. This is what I need in my life. I know. Second thing is five generations of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I know this because you told me before we started recording, both your brothers are pastors. They both are. My brother, Matt, pastors a church called Brook Hills Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And my brother, Paul, is at Living Word Church in New Braunfels. And so, yeah, we can't shake it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and one of your boys is going into ministry. One of them is. Yeah. Oh and the gosh. other two just, they love God. They love the house of God. But, you know, God has different callings in their lives and they're ministering through those callings. Everyone's a minister if you're, if Everyone, you're a Christian. You yes, are a minister. It's a family thing. Second thing is, Lori, you just said you and Joe met in 1989 and were married in 1990. That's a quick relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, we met in January of 89. Okay. And we were married in July of so a year and a half. Ninety. Yes. I guess when you know, you know. You know, you know. Yeah. And you guys both graduated from LSU? We did. He's a little bit older than me, but yeah, he played football at LSU. I'm actually the bigger football fan, even bigger than him. But we met at church and it was a really, really, really cool thing. And we knew pretty quickly. So you said five generation ministry. When did you start following Jesus? Like for real? Was it something that you always remember as being a little girl, knowing that you wanted to follow Jesus? Or is there a moment in time that you think this is where I'm going to actually dedicate my entire life to him? Okay, so I'm from the kind of church that thinks that you're eternally insecure. Oh, that's stressful. (laughs) And so I was at every altar call. Oh, man. Real strong fear of the Lord. Well, and fear of eternal damnation. Because, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, I mean, every night I remember just thinking about everything I could have thought that was wrong, that I wanted God to clear, you know, clean my heart and purify my heart. So I really, really was though tender to the Lord all of my life. And even though I didn't want to go into ministry, I wanted to support the church. I love the church. Our whole life mm-hmm. was around the church. I mean, we did everything from the yard maintenance of the church to straightening the songbooks to we just mm-hmm. lived at church mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. So this has been a part of your life for mm-hmm. your entire life. You're a pastor's kid, obviously, yeah. but you had some struggles even growing up yeah. as being a pastor's kid. What was that like for you? In New Orleans, you know, there aren't even very many Protestant churches. And so I felt like I was always the only one, you know, going to public school. Standing up for the Lord, the school that I went to, we had a lot of 
we had a lot of atheists. We had a lot of people from other religions. They wanted to really take prayer out of any of our assembly, which back then, I mean, you deal with that now, but Mm -hmm. you didn't deal with that so much then. And so I remember just really, really fighting for faith. Mm. And so, but I think that made me a really strong leader. And so I remember that my dad, he said, Lori, I think that you could even go to LSU, which is like the biggest party school, at least in the state of Louisiana. Uh (laughs) And he said, I think I could send you into hell and you would reach people for Jesus. Mm. So I really had a love for bringing people to the Lord and getting in with people. I believe that's why God's called us to Austin, because I wouldn't be happy in a Bible Belt city. Mm. I mean, I want the hard cases. And so that was really cool. But a really life-defining moment for me was in March of 1988, I'd come home. It was my freshman year of college, come home for, for spring break. And we were sitting on the front row as a family. We were packed up to go on vacation, which was AKA also a pastor's conference for my parents. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) And so right then and there, when my dad's preaching his message, he fell to the floor and we thought maybe he tripped and then he didn't come up Mm. and he died right then and there in front of us of a heart attack. He was 45 years old. And it was a very, very defining moment because not only did we lose our dad, Mm. but my parents were founding pastors of our church and we really kind of lost our church. Mm. And I remember that day saying, I'm not even in ministry anymore. Like Mm. it was my whole identity Mm. being a part of that church and ministering as a family. And it was a shaking of my faith. Mm. And I really believe that just like all of us have these defining moments in our lives, whether it's, you know, one day your husband tells you he's no longer in love with you, or you lose a job, or there's a loved one dies or or whatever, the enemy wants to take those moments mm. and use them against you and take you off of the purpose and the plan of God. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision, am I going to lean into God? Or am I going to say, <laughs> what is this? Mm. My dad dies while giving a message. Yeah. Like you talk about church hurt. Yeah, exactly. And even the things that were surrounding that, you know, there's talk like God took your dad Mm -hmm. or your dad must've been in sin or, you know, all these things that you're grappling with and you're really young Mm -hmm. and trying to deal with it all and then deal with your own hurt. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about how your family was so tied to this ministry and how you had this moment of, okay, dad's gone and church is different now. And now what do I do? And yet I see you and your brothers both, you know, ended up going into pastoral ministry, which I think is just God saying, I'm going to take care of this. But did that change any of the ways as you parented your kids being in ministry? I don't think so. I think we saw such a healthy involvement. Mm -hmm that we decided that we were going to take our kids along in the journey. Mm -hmm. And our kids are like church addicts. Mm -hmm. I had this conversation (laughs) actually this morning with my son, Jackson, and he's in a new college in Florida. And he's getting so involved in the church that he's in. He's only been there for like two or three weeks. Uh And he says, Mom, I'm going to start serving in high school ministry. I'm going to start serving and doing this. And I said, you just told me you were struggling with Greek. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And now you're going to add more to your plate. And he said... Mom, it's a non-negotiable for me to serve. And I said, by the school? Is it a school requirement? He goes, no, it's a personal non-negotiable in my life. And I'm like, I did something right. You did something right. (laughs) I mean, they actually love it. And Mm -hmm. I think that the enemy sometimes comes against us saying, if you force your kids to go to church or if you force Bible study on your kids Mm -hmm. or whatever, that they're going to grow up and hate it and Mm -hmm. revolt and rebel and we don't think that way about anything else. I mean, I'm sure your kids are indoctrinated against UT football. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, like they're Longhorns. You're mm-hmm. not thinking they're going to grow up and hate the Longhorns. Right. You know, my kids didn't grow up and hate the LSU Tigers. Yeah. yeah. And yet we think that about God and mm. that's just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to think about that. <laughs> One of my kids the other day did go like, mom, what if Texas A&M asked me to come play football for them? Oh and I was gosh. like, I said, you would go play football at Texas A&M yes. is what you would do. <laughs> you yes. would go get a scholarship. It was kind of funny though. Laura, you've been a co-pastor in your church with your husband uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a long time to yeah. be in one location. It's a long time to be pouring out. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of growth a lot of struggles. I bet you're in a season right now where I bet you're seeing a lot of fruit 
to what was planted 20 years ago. Talk with me about the growth and the fruit that you see, and then we'll talk about the difficultness of pastoring a church in 2020. But what does it feel like to look at a place that you've poured your heart and soul into for 20 years? Well, last week, Joe and I were dedicating babies, a million babies. I think people have been really busy during quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) And we got to dedicate the babies of some of the kids that have grown Mm -hmm. up in our church, and they met their spouses in our church. And I feel like a proud grandmother mm-hmm. at that point because it, it was a blink ago. It mm-hmm. feels like when we were 31 years old and 35 years old, moving to Austin, not knowing a single person here, just coming on the word of the Lord to come here. And we did it all the wrong way, but God blessed our stupidity. And so a lot of dreams have come to pass. I mean, honestly, we didn't dream this big. Mm. I'm from a small church all my life. When we stood before the church the first Sunday that we started, we were like, we just want to bring one person at a time to Jesus. We want to see them healed. We want to see their marriages restored. We want to see God show them what their purpose is, what they were created to do. And it's amazing how if you focus on health, Mm. then healthy people bring other sick people to Mm. get healthy. Yeah, And so that has been the greatest joy of my life is not like the buildings that we've built or even the campuses that we've expanded to. It's just that one person story at a time. Mm -hmm. And so church birthday is October 1st. And so in preparation, I had to watch a lot of videos. We had 700 hours of videos. Oh my gosh. And it's just been amazing and nostalgic. And you just pinch yourself Mm -hmm. that God, God picked me. Like, He picked me and I thought I was going to be an attorney. (laughs) And that's great if God picked you to be an attorney. But, you know, like how I would have sold myself short for what the plan of God is. His his plan is so much greater than our plan. Yeah, it's so true. And and sometimes people think when they're at the beginning of those 20 years, you can't see Mm -hmm. beyond the struggle and the hardship and the meeting in the library and the seven people and then somebody's mad. Like you can't see beyond that. But it's that faithfulness, obedience, one step at a time. And then you kind of look up and go, Okay, here we are. We're a real church. We're a real church. We'll keep doing this. One thing I know about you, Lori, is that you're a phenomenal leader. I've heard that from mutual friends of ours, and I've seen it. But you and Joe co-pastor this church, and you do a lot of the day-to-day leadership with the church. I love that, and I (laughs) think that's really exciting for people to know. Has that been a struggle for you to find your place in that area or has that always come naturally for you? I think it's been a struggle within the church in particular. I think that leading in the marketplace is not hard. Leading at school wasn't hard at all. But when you get into church, and I remember the first church that we seen that Joe Senior pastored, we were in the middle of the swamps of Louisiana, <laughs> the poorest zip code in America. It's where the show Swamp People is okay, filmed. Filmed, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so getting there, and I was 24 years old, and they had had this founding pastor's wife forever, and she was like a grandmother, and she was so different than me. And here I am and I'm trying to find my way. And all I knew to do was like to dress old. (laughs) (laughs) So I had this like bob haircut, you know, pearls, drop waist dresses, just trying to find my way, especially for men. Sometimes it's hard to receive from a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find my way at the table. Yeah. So a lot of times I was more confident giving men leaders the answers, the solutions, the strategies so they could present them. Mm. And so over and over again, we kept trying to find the right guy, the right man for the job. And one day my husband said, you're the right leader for the job. Mm. And so he's the, I'm the chief implementer. And I earned the respect of people along the way. And I didn't like push myself forward. Mm -hmm. It's just my gift made room for me. And that's what the Bible says, that our gift makes room for us. And it also says that promotion comes from the Lord. So I've never accomplished anything because I'm ambitious, because I'm not ambitious. I'm always like reluctant Mm -hmm. to be the one, but God has gifted me strategically. And, And Joe said to me when we moved here, he's like, Lori, you know, I've never really used you in the right way as a helper Mm -hmm. to me, as a support to me. 
And he said, the Lord told me, this is not just about my vision. He said, my parents didn't pray a lick growing up. I never heard a prayer in my life. Yeah. And he said, but we're coming into this and it's really an inheritance and a legacy from your family. And he said, you have like generations of of wisdom and just things that you've sat around the table Mm -hmm. and learned plus marketplace experience. And so I don't want to not tap into the gifts that God has placed in your life. And so here I am and it has been so fulfilling and I've worn all different hats. I think as women, we do wear a lot more hats than men do. Mm -hmm. You know, the mom hat, the wife hat, the stay-at-home mom hat, the, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so, and I also had to overcome myself. I had to overcome my own insecurities and sometimes thinking that I didn't fit in with other Christian women because they were all homeschoolers. That's great. That's not me. Mm -hmm. Or they were all you know, about not working outside of the mm-hmm. home. And so I was always trying to find my footing, yeah. especially in ministry. But then when I found it, he's graced our family for it. Mm-hmm. And my kids are actually, I've asked them the question so many times, like, do you feel like you're being cheated because I'm not a stay-at-home mom because I do have a really mm-hmm. busy schedule? Yeah. And they're like, we love that you mm-hmm. do that. That's good for me to hear too. So good. thank you for that. <laughs> if nothing else... If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know, I think that what you're talking about, especially this having to like get past my own self, is a lot of women find themselves here. And it may not be co-passion at church with their husband, right. but it could be any way of what's my calling? How am I finding my calling? And how am I supposed to do this? And you talked about kind of walking through it and figuring it out. But how do you talk to women about finding what they are supposed to be doing? You know, what is it for them? I don't think it's a title. I think that we are called ultimately to know Christ, to make Christ known. And it really doesn't matter what seat he puts me in on the bus at that given time. Sometimes it's been to get a job outside of ministry and help support our family. Sometimes it's been to be at home. And I think that sometimes we so attach that calling to what our title is. Mm. And that's not what is God at all. You know, we always say, I will go anywhere for God. I'll do anything for God. The hard thing, the thing that we struggle with is the nowheres and the nothings. Mm. Because there are times that we are on the backside of the desert. There are times that the potter has taken us off the wheel Mm. and he's shaping us. He's forming us. There's timing, there's seasoning taking place. He's putting us through the fire. He's testing our hearts. Like, is this an ambition thing or do you want to serve me? Yeah. Because if you want to serve me, you serve, you know, at my pleasure Mm. and my pleasure may be sitting your tail down for Mm. a little bit. And so that's where as a doer, as a goal oriented woman, Sometimes that's been the most difficult seasons. I think that I kind of stink as a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been seasons that I did that. And God was like, am I enough? Yeah. Are you satisfied yeah. in me? Yeah. And there are times I write in my book, a letter to my younger self, when I thought my career is over. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to be tripping over Legos. I'm going to have an endless pile of laundry for the rest of my life. God is not going to use me. Mm. And then just when you have surrendered to that and you've died to yourself, that's when God says, okay, now I can do something with you. Yeah. I think that's a good word. What'd you say? Nowheres? The nowheres and the nothings. The nowheres and the nothings, because that is where nobody wants to be. And that's so often when God does so much in our own hearts. Yeah. He picks Moses off the backside of the desert, David off the backside of the desert. I mean, God has a way to find you. He's not going to waste you. Mm. Somebody needs to hear that. Yeah. God will find you. He is not going to waste you. You speak of your book, Woman Up. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. This year. Uh-huh. Yes. What do you want women to hear when they read this book? Like, what do you want someone to walk away with? What's your passion? You know, I guess even after reading the Bible my whole entire life, I didn't see myself as the Proverbs 31 woman because I had a bad image of the Proverbs 31 Mm -hmm. woman. I thought she was exactly the woman I wasn't, like Mm -hmm. exactly the homeschool mom of 19 kids and, you know, the great cook and gardener Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But she was really like also an incredible businesswoman, Mm -hmm. like a real estate mogul, fashion designer. I mean, she did so many things and never at the expense of her family. And so then I stumbled upon Deborah about 10 years ago, and I started teaching about her life. And there's so many great things about her life, but she was a woman that she was called up by God, and then she called up other people. And so that's what I really wanted. And I think that sometimes we aren't used by God, or we're waiting, we're we're saying, God, come on, come on, come on, use me. And God's waiting for us to be obedient, or He's waiting for us to get over you know, our emotions, ourselves, or, or whatever. And so I started teaching it to our women. And then I started teaching it to our women on staff. And that's when I kind of wrote a curriculum to it. And I thought, well, maybe some other people need this. And like I needed it. And so I put it in a book. And it has been really, really rewarding to go back and look at that and see that God has it for 2020 Mm. because it came out like a week before we went into quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm like, Okay, Lori, woman up. Woman up. You can do it. Woman up. You know, it's funny. uh, You're the fourth interview I've done today, like I told you, and you're the second person to mention Deborah. Wow. Lisa Bevere was the other one. (laughs) 
I was just with her like last month and we, she did an interview with me about Deborah and Deborah. I mean, she was living in this season, Mm -hmm. the same season that we're in where people were too afraid to go. They were sheltered in place. And it said that I, Deborah, a mother in Israel arose Mm. and village life ceased until I, Deborah, a mother of Israel arose. You know, God called her a prophet. He called her a judge. He called her a leader of Israel after all these years. And Israel was, totally away from the Lord. And he calls this woman up. And then she calls herself a uniquely feminine name, mother, even though there's no record that biologically she was ever a mother. But I think God's given us a gift as women, we lead differently. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to celebrate the way that we do lead differently than men. We nurture, we endure, we're tenacious Mm -hmm. in how we lead. Yeah. This is what I'm about to ask you is like everyone asks this question and there's no really, there's no answer, but I'm asking mm-hmm. to you anyway. Okay. Three kids. Yeah. You now have a daughter-in-law. Am I right? Oh, yeah. So we'll say four kids. Yes. Uh, kids, raising kids, being in ministry, working, putting on a conference, all the things that you do. There's no such thing as balance, but what does that look like for you in your life? Sometimes it has looked like I am a negligent mother. Mm. And sometimes it has looked like I'm the best mother in the world. But, you know, I'll tell you, I really believe that your family is graced for what God's called you to do. And I was sitting with my son one time at a breakout session at the Hillsong Conference in Australia, and there was a speaker, and he's a pastor, and he said, my wife was an aeronautical engineer before I went into the ministry, and she's been sitting, you know, at home for decades so that I could have a place to come home to. And she put her her work aside and all this. And he made a real theological case for that. And I'm sitting here with my son, and I'm like embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And so after I said, do you feel like Mm -hmm. I've made a big mistake with you? And he said, Mom, I'm so, I want to marry a girl just like you. He goes, I am so thankful that you did what you did. I love it. He said, I get a life like nobody else gets because we took them along for the ride. So I think that, you know, you cannot have a balanced day within a day. Mm. I think there are going to be seasons where it doesn't look good. And I think then you have to have those catch up seasons, though. And so that's what we've done as a family. And we are super close to our kids. We have a group chat called We Are the Champions. I love it so much. I love it. <laughs> and all day long, we're communicating uh-huh. with them. My daughter-in-law, I talk to her every single day. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. And I can look back on that and I can encourage parents that you have to be really intentional with your kids when you have those times. And you, we were really intentional about taking them along with us when we could. Mm-hmm. So you know, Joe and I may have had other speaking engagements, but we would save that money. And then when we went to Hillsong Conference, we paid for their way to get a Hillsong Conference. And so they got to enjoy the benefits of being in the ministry Mm -hmm. too. And they got to go out to dinner with, you know, our guest speakers after church or whatever, and hear from these amazing men and women of God. And so it's enriched them Mm. in so many ways. I feel like they know how to walk into a room. They know how to read a room and they have a head start on a lot of things in life that you need as a leader. I'll tell you this too. My husband's dad was an NFL football coach. And so he coached for many, many teams. His last team was the Green Bay Packers. And so if Joe was traveling a lot or not able to go to all their games or whatever, I would never say to my kids, well, God's requiring this of us. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, your grandfather didn't see any of your dad's football games Mm. when he was growing up because he had his own football season. Mm -hmm. Your uncle, he's a two-star general. He was away from the family for a year or more at at a time. Mm And so showing them the benefits of leadership mm-hmm. when they're kind of down on the the liabilities of yeah. leadership mm-hmm. is really, really important that you can shape the way the you can shape their narrative, their yeah. perspective, how they look at yeah. things. I remember I was reading an article one time and uh, Billy Graham's wife 
Ruth Bell Graham, yes. Um, she was talking to her kids about, mm-hmm. and at this time when Billy Graham is traveling all the time, you know, there's no cell phones. You're away right. for days. You're not having communication. There is nothing like we have today. We are super blessed that right. anywhere our husbands or our kids are, we can get a hold of them, yeah. right? And she was talking to her kids about how their dad was gone for months at a time. Mm-hmm. And she changed the narrative. She could have said like, this is so hard. I'm having to do all this work. Where's your dad? All the things. And she said, how amazing is it that God chose your dad to do what he's doing? Yes. And so she completely changed the narrative to give her kids this idea that look at our family and look what God has put on our family. And God has equipped your daddy to go out. (laughs) And I mean, there are going to be millions of people potentially in heaven because of Billy Graham's ministry. And so I always think of that. And I thought about that all the time when I was a stay at home mom and our kids were little and my husband was traveling all the time. There were seasons that that felt not fair to me. And it felt like, why do I have to do this? And all I do is step on Legos and make snacks and (laughs) all the things. But I was always reminded like God had this special calling, not only on Aaron's life at the time, but on mine as well. And I didn't know what my life was going to look like in, you know, 10 years from there as where I am now. But it was just that like little steps of obedience and trusting that God had something, you know, and I always think too, people will worry about like, well, what are my kids going to think? Like if we did this, how are my kids going to turn out? Okay. And I think you would say this as well. I believe that God calls families. I do too. Like I always say, like, I don't think God thought I'm going to make Aaron and Jamie or Lori and Joe have these jobs with this capacity and do these things. And then he didn't go, oh, wait, I forgot they have children. Now what? (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like it's a family mission. And I see you guys doing that with your kids as well. Yeah. And I think that if I would have waited until after my kids were grown, I was raising kids actively for 26 years. (laughs) That's a long time. And so I would have been 50 years old. Yeah. 50 years old when all of a sudden it was like, okay, God, I can do something now. Yeah, yeah. And I think so many times we as women can live in a baby bubble and not actually show and model how to be involved with a community of faith, how to use your gifts for the Lord, how to sacrifice, you know, how to put a demand on your family and your schedule and all of those things. And I told my kids when they were young, I was like, you know, hobbies are great. Sports are great. We were in everything. And I said, but the greatest, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest demand we ever put on our lives is going to be in service to the Lord. Mm, That's good. And they got it. Yeah. And they served at a young age and they gave at a young age and they were generous with their time, their talent, their resources, you know, all of that. And they still are now. And it's just, I see the favor of God in their Mm -hmm. lives and their decisions. And our oldest son, he's 28. He lives in DC and works on Capitol Hill. And he told me recently, he said, mom, every single job offer I've gotten, every great mentor I've had, he said, it's all been church relationships. Mm. He said, I don't know what people do that don't have that. Church body, yeah, the the family of God, yeah. Right, it's wonderful. You know, it's so interesting. I like having these conversations as well because what I don't want to see is women become um, mothers and then feel like their service is over and there's nothing they can do. And I don't think either you or myself is saying, oh, you need to go out and work full time. And also, no. but I remember when I was a stay-at-home mom and I, you know, served at our church on Sundays and my kids would have to be up there, not because their dad was serving, but because I was serving three services at a time. And that's a sacrifice on your family. And that's what I Mm -hmm. always want women to be like, is you can still do so many great things for the kingdom and be a mom. Like you don't have to lay down and think, okay, well, I guess I'll serve in 26 years when my kids are gone. I remember when, so our oldest would have been about two and our youngest one at the time. And I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And I'd never been to Haiti. And if you know, mm-hmm. two of my kids were born in right. Haiti. And so this decision changed our whole life. Wow. So I had this opportunity. And I remember thinking to myself, what kind of mom leaves their two-year-old and one-year-old to go to a third world country? Like, I just thought, there's no way I can do this. I'll mm-hmm. never be able to do a trip like this until my kids are older. And I remember someone speaking into me and saying, a mom who wants her kids to see her living on mission. Amen. That's who does that. And so... Aaron stayed home and took care of our kids while I went away for, you know, five to six days. And that changed our entire life because fast forward and we have two children that were born there. So I always remember those moments of going, okay, it might look different in different seasons, yeah, but you don't have to totally just lay down and give up on the kingdom because you're raising kids. People need to see you. (laughs) I mean, they need to see if she can do it, I can do it too. That's exactly right. And that's what I think our life 
always has to be about. Yeah. I have heard you say this phrase, anti-gravity leader. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you mean by this. I think that there is darkness in our world. There is every single thing that you turn on the news, you look at your social media, is could really, really get you down. And I think that God has empowered us to rise above and to pull ourselves up, pull other people up with us. I really think that we cannot let the world determine if we're happy. We can't let the world determine if we're at peace. You know, because if I turned on the news today, I'm not going to be at peace. But there's something in us, and that's what I always talk about Deborah being, because every single thing was against her. In fact, even the fact that God used her as a woman to lead Israel at that time, it said the sons of Israel would line up for her wisdom. I'm like, I have three boys that won't even answer my text messages. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and this was in a day and age where that was not even thought of. Yes. And yeah. you think about how many times they were defeated and lost in battle and in captivity. And there's this man named Barak that she calls to her and she says, and he's the general of Israel's army and he's been hiding away in exile. And she says, the Lord has told you that today he's giving you, he's going to free us from captivity. Mm. And these are the weapons you need to use. And this is the battle strategies. And she gave all this to him. And he wasn't like, oh, awesome. I've been waiting for that word. He said, I'll go if you go with me. And she says, okay, I'll go with you, but it will be said that a woman will get the glory for the victory. And she put enough security in him that he was okay with that. Mm -hmm. And so then it says that later they're at the camp and she has to go to him and she says, up, for this is the day that the Lord has given you the victory. And so she was enough. It was like that anti-gravity leader. She's not looking at his position, but she's looking at his potential. Mm-hmm. And I think as an anti-gravity leader, sometimes we can we can see people in a fetal position. We can see people on their knees praying to the Lord, you know, even though he's already given them the answer. We can see people that have been defeated so many times they don't even want to try again. Mm-hmm. But we can say, get up, mm-hmm. because God's given you the victory today. And I really believe in And I know, Jamie, that's your heart. I love, I got to read a little preliminary of your book. And you said, I want to be the voice in the ear that's cheering people Mm -hmm. on to their purpose in God. And that's exactly what Deborah Mm. was. That's exactly what an anti-gravity leader is. Because we all have those self-doubt moments. I've tried this before and failed moments. And we need somebody that's speaking into our ear God's given you this. You got this, girl. Mm. And so that's what an anti-gravity leader is. I love that. Everyone needs that. You've got this. You can do this. Yeah. Uh, God is giving you the victory. He is here for you today. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so we touched earlier about the fruits of ministry. Also, ministry's been difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. in 2020, it's been hard. We were just talking before we started recording with my husband, Aaron, and we are just now back to meeting in an outdoor venue. And he's having a lot of fun with that because it's yeah, different and new and innovative. And But I know early on, and even still right now, we're in the middle of an election. It's been hard and divisive. How are you and Joe leading your church who is diverse in every level? Yeah. How are you guys leading them well? I think that it's really important that there are people that need to learn to weep with those who weep. I think it's really, really important because, you know, when we were pastoring in South Louisiana in that little small town, if you walked into the, I remember walking into the doctor's office for the first time and I was wondering why everybody was sitting on one side and nobody was sitting on the other side. And then I realized all the white people were sitting on one side and all the black people were sitting Mm. on the other side. And then I realized there was a white prom and a black prom. And this is in it was our, 1980. That was 1994. I graduated in 1996. Clarity for everybody. Yeah. Wow. So that wasn't that long ago. I remember at seven years old visiting my grandparents in, they lived in Texas and our family was in New Orleans and getting a call from my dad's main head elder, who was a black man. And he said, Pastor, our church, there's a sign in our church that says KKK next burning site. And my dad said they can burn it down. So in our history is this fight against racism. And I think that what has happened here that's been different for us is you're not in that challenge all the time Mm -hmm. like you are in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, you're not in that. So there are people that actually don't think there's a problem at all. Right. 
And then there's people that are living in grief and are scared Mm -hmm. right now. And so you're trying to bridge the gap. We also have a lot of police and law enforcement in our church that are disgusted at Mm -hmm. some of the things that they've seen. And they're in a church because they love the diversity in our church. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's not us. That doesn't represent us. Mm -hmm. And so... There's not like these cookie cutter conversations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of side conversations. There's a lot, you know, we've had some really, really raw staff meetings Mm -hmm. because our staff is very diverse where we all cried together and we talked things out and we're trying to just, we don't have all the answers, but we're trying to be more like Jesus. And I think that we have to make sure that the gospel is center to this. It can't be sociology. Sociology is a, it's good bonus literature, mm-hmm. but we can't like read a bunch of books and then say, okay, how do I get the Bible to mm-hmm. agree with me? Mm-hmm. We have to be gospel first yeah. and kingdom first and try to lead people up and try to lead people in love. And the wonderful thing about having a diverse church is that for the first time, I would say, I was telling one of our black pastor, young black pastors, And I said, for the first time in some people's lives, they're in a diverse church and they're thinking about you Mm. and they're thinking about your kids. And for the first time, it's personal to them. It's proximity. It is. Proximity changes everything. It is. And so that's a beautiful thing because when all of this first started happening, I mean, you're brokenhearted. You're not knowing how to deal Mm -hmm. with it, how to say exactly the right things, stumbling along Mm -hmm. the way. You know, but just to see the unity that has come and the the benefit, the wonderful things that come out of being able to have those real conversations with people. I think it's so good what you said. And one of the things that I I love most about this conversation with you, even as leading a church uh, and caring for the local church and loving your diverse body, is that that is where we're going to see so much changes in our local church, is in the pastors caring for their body, the pastors listening, the pastors weeping, Mm -hmm. the pastors encouraging, Mm -hmm. the pastors embracing. And so that's an encouragement to me just as a leader, because although I'm not leading in my local church in the same position that you are, it's still these conversations that we want. And I think that I hope whoever's listening to us talk about this is also encouraged that whatever space you're in, Mm -hmm. you get to have these conversations. And I'm not talking about social media. This is not a social media conversation. (laughs) Things happen there, but change happens in personal Mm -hmm. conversations and that proximity matters. So yeah, I love that. And as far as politics, you know, yeah, very, very diverse. And I was doing a teaching yesterday to our small group leaders, and I was just encouraging them that we should all have friends that have different political beliefs than us. You know, and I have a lot of friends and family members that have very, very different beliefs than I do. And that keeps me from hosting mm-hmm. about things that would keep them ultimately from the gospel. It's so good, Lori. That's and so good. So do we want people to vote like us more than we want them to believe in Jesus like us? Bring it home. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And that goes both ways. It does. I had a conversation with someone recently and I always say like, I don't ever say who I vote for, but we started talking about it. It was a friend. So it wasn't like public and we're voting for two potentially that we haven't voted yet, potentially two different people. Yeah. And I said, but at the end of the day, that's a wash because our main goal is the same is we want people to know Jesus. And so I love that. And I think that we can have that in mind as our ultimate goal. Like you said, the gospel is our guide. Yeah. The gospel is our guide. And honestly, let's just be honest. If we just follow Jesus, we don't need anything else. That's right. I mean, I am for reform and yes. policies, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the things. But Jesus but can- we'll be in agreement on that. Yes. Yeah. And Jesus can be our influencer. And even if you're not in agreement with some of the things that are happening yeah. in your community, your or smaller community, your state, mm-hmm. your country, whatever, I know that when I get to heaven- I'm like responsible for how did you bring me glory? Jesus yes. is saying, how did you make my name known? Yeah. And that's that's something that I want to keep on the forefront Amen. of my brain every day. Yes. Every yes, day. Yes, yes. What do you do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley High Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Lori, this is Bofan. Okay, I always end with, what are you loving? What are you reading? Well, I'm reading. I just read, a friend of mine just wrote a book. It's not what I put down there because I just read it over the weekend, but it's called Breathe Again. And oh. she talks about losing her toddler to cancer. But it was the most hope-filled, gospel-centered book that I've read on that in a long time. So I was just Who's the author? All weekend. Stacey Hennigan. Okay. It's called Breathe Again. And it just came, I think it launched like yes, two days ago or whatever, but I got an advanced copy. So that was really good. We love all things British as far as watching. I have like this Metro husband. He's like <laughs> a big football player. And he's like, can we watch a British romance? Jane Austen <laughs> I love movie? it. So, it's anyway, the best. so that's what I love. Yeah. That's what it's, and you and your husband watch Family Feud every night. you told me that and I I think that is just the best thing ever it is so (laughs) fun really like it's mindless it's funny we love it's yeah we do that it's fun sometimes I'm like I just need a family feud fix well you know the Longhorns are supposed to play the Tigers this year and then all got thrown away I know I was gonna go to that game we were going to y'all stadium I know which what's it called Death Valley yeah Death Valley yeah so life-giving so life-giving. <laughs> you know, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to run track in college. I really? could have, but then I, I just gave my life to boys instead of Jesus and oh, athletics. <laughs> so, but I ran a track meet at LSU Stadium and I was like, you I want to go run at LSU. That was when I was a freshman. Oh and my then gosh, that is so cool. My career went downhill from there. But <laughs> wow, you're a runner. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lori, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing at your church, with your conferences and your book. Just cheering you guys on. So thanks for coming over to the happy hour. I love being with you. Friends, I loved it when Lori said, we always say, I'll go anywhere for God. I will do anything for God. The hard thing, the thing that we struggle with is the nowheres and the nothings. That hit me like a ton of bricks. And I hope that this whole conversation today, that it encourages you and it spurs you on. Today's show is edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. I would love it if you did that. Have a happy hour with someone as well. And then come back with us next week for my guest is Karen Swallow Pryor. I've been wanting to talk to her for a while and we have a conversation you do not want to miss. I'll see you guys next week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.